The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. It's bright and sunny out today, although it's not exactly warm in the bright and sunny. Uh, Hey, bright and sunny has been an exception uh, this February, and it looks like it's going to be an exception for at least part of this week. Um, So I'll take it. Just in the quick open, apparently bright and sunny was a problem out out there on the West Coast, though, with that Lake Tahoe game. Uh, yes. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the brilliance of having a game in Nevada uh, at the peak of sun, at the peak of sun noontime. But outside, hey, yes. Yeah. Try everything once. I mean, the backdrop itself is beautiful. They're playing on like the 18th green of a golf course. And. I don't want to say that, you know, we're prognosticators here at the two-man forecheck, but I do believe that when we were discussing the possibility of outdoor games because they were going to lose the um, they were going to lose the the winter classic this season and, and whatnot. And if they were going to play outdoor games, we had said back many, many, many episodes ago that what they should do instead of playing in empty stadiums is play in front of vistas such as, you know, like um, Mount Rushmore or some sort of uh, billowing vista. (coughs) And lo and behold, they're playing in front of a beautiful vista of Lake Tahoe's whatever golf course. I I would love to see them play in the Grand Canyon. I don't know if it's possible. I don't even know. Well, they have a team in Arizona. I don't even know if there's a space big enough inside the Grand Canyon where you could get all the equipment in and out easily enough to make it feasible. That might be – logistics might be the, dippest, the the most difficult thing there just because, yes, trying to get equipment in and out of the canyon would be a – But talk about a view. Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm just going along with the fact that you know we kind of predicted this back months ago. Yeah. Or I, I think one of the other places <laughs> that I suggested was on the National Mall in D.C. No, I mean, there would, I, would be an interesting free just freeze the National Mall. I mean, it, it's already got water there. <laughs> just but like <clears throat> the Lincoln Memorial on one end of it and the the, the, the ground uh, is already Washington, mostly flat. Washington Monument on the other. I don't know if it's wide enough. They may have to build a platform over it. That's the only thing. I don't know how wide that waterway is between the two. And you've got you're right there where all of the major museum, major national museums are. Uh, um, I mean, yeah, just something they should look into in the future. Absolutely. I would agree. Something else they could do, um, particularly if it's going to be an audience light or audience free. Free event is go over to the is set up at the National Aviation Museum, have all sorts of different planes visible around the rink. Just you're you're talking like a spectacular backdrop. Is that hangar big enough to hold an ice rink? I I haven't if seen it since like if I did if see it, I think it was when I was a kid. If it's if you're doing it outside though, you can arrange some of the planes that are still towable oh, okay. um, around <clears throat> around the rink. And you're good to go. It was very interesting because that was that that would be considered the longest first intermission of a game ever since they stopped after the first period didn't start till midnight. 
they actually showed on the clock the time between the first goal scored and the second goal scored was exactly nine hours. <laughs> wow. You know what it is? It's it's all of those. It's all of that clutch and grab style slowing the game down. Okay, they're slowing the game down, and then there's ridiculousness. <laughs> I mean, I. It, it was they import baseball players to uh, play this game, and everyone is uh, stepping <laughs> in and out of the box and uh, on and off the mound, playing with their batting gloves and everything. Yeah, it's just interesting because you see the highlight of the first goal, and it's daytime. The highlight of the second goal, and it's dark night outside. It's like, okay, this is the same game, folks. Okay, <laughs> so <clears throat> we have a lot to talk about. And we have a lot of things to talk. Uh, we have a couple of things to talk carefully about. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our pregame planning, we were talking about how much effort we're going to have to be have to employ to not use certain words that we've tried to not to use on this show. I don't think um, we've ever actually slipped and said those words. So. Most of them, I think I had one slip about <laughs> a year and a half ago. Oh, okay. But we're a remarkably uh, safe for work. Uh, and children program, especially considering how much talking I do. Um, One topic today will challenge that, though. <laughs> we'll challenge that, and I apologize if I slip and go on a five-minute swearing spree uh, like I do on a regular basis in real life. Um, but I think we're going to not start with that topic because That's I don't fine. want to be a downer the entire show. Well, no, the 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 the, mo- the the positive one that we have is coming out of Chicago. Yeah, uh, honestly, Chicago is actually going to play a decent part in today's show, and uh, I think that's absolutely fascinating considering what is missing off of that roster. I mean, Jonathan Taze has had an undisclosed illness all season that. I think we've been told is not COVID and that's about it. Kirby doc got injured. Brent Seabrook is still theoretically coming back. Um, and yet here we are February 21st, 2021 in the mystical, magical land of the discover central division. Guess who's in a playoff spot, not only in a playoff spot, but with more points, than the defending Stanley Cup champions, more points than John Tortorella's uh, re, uh, reinvigorated uh, or at least reconfigured Columbus Blue Jackets, more points than the Dallas Stars, and uh, who pre- went pretty deep into the playoffs last year. Dallas's problem. Dallas's problem is not of their own making, though. I mean, they can't score issues- right now. They they've canceled a lot of games due to natural disaster uh, and well I don't know what you'd call a pandemic would it be a natural disaster or not but uh, international health concern okay there we go so the fact that they only have 14 points uh, they've only played 12 games their points percentage is actually pretty solid uh, I mean it's not great at 583 they're actually a little bit better than Chicago but. Chicago has, let's face it, Chicago has been really good about following the protocols, and uh, that's gotten them at least the points to be in a playoff position at this point. Um, but the player we're going to talk about... I was going to say, that's part of the reason they're in the position they're in. 
is someone who could uh, pull off a rare double as far as uh, as far as trophies and postseason or after the season awards. And <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned, if Lankanen keeps playing the way he is, hand him the Calder and hand him the heart with it. I mean, we said this. We said this about Merzlikens last season, and one of the big things uh, there was the fact that Merzlikens hadn't played. Uh, he hadn't even played half of his team's games, so uh, he didn't and really jump onto the big stage until uh, somewhere in J- in January. So, but having a full season, he didn't do a whole lot in the first two months. And uh, he also was playing in like a third tier market. If we're going to be honest, Columbus is a, a player in Columbus is going to have to do like 25 percent more than a player in Chicago or Toronto or Boston or New York or uh, to get the same amount of attention. Agreed. I did. Uh, I, I did some I did some digging on Lincoln and, and I mean, I'm not diving into his his, you know, childhood or anything like that, but just few articles that I pulled up and I grabbed one off of NHL and then the Chicago Sun-Times obviously has been doing a lot on him. Uh, this guy has spent an awful lot of time just watching other goaltenders. I mean, since since his time in the bubble, he, his big thing has been watching the other top-tier goalies and seeing what they do and how they comport themselves and how they go through workouts prior to games and and he learned that basically he had to improve his footwork. He had to improve his speed on his skates because the one thing he figured out was that the NHL is a whole lot fast and he has to spend more time reacting and using his feet to accomplish those tasks. So there's something to be said for being the third or fourth string goalie. And instead of just sitting there you know, well, I'm the third string or well, waiting for someone to get sick or injured. Yeah. I mean, to sit there and, and he said that he and a couple of the other backups and third stringers would actually go and sit through eight hours of hockey and because they were in the Edmonton bubble, I believe. Yep. And they would just go and sit and watch games and he'd sit there and he'd be watching Marc-Andre Fleury. And he said one of the things he noticed was even, you know, two goalies on the same team, Fleury and Leonard, and how they handle themselves in the net. And Leonard sits deep in the net and allows the game to come to him. But Marc-Andre Fleury likes to get out at the top of his crease and he likes to challenge the goal. He likes to challenge the shooters, challenge the Absolutely. players. And he, he said that he, rather than follow a particular style, he would take the best that he saw of all these different goalies and kind of create his own style. Which and is realistically the only way you can play goalie. Um, even if you wear the same size clothes as your favorite goaltender, whoever they are, you probably have a different body composition. You know, if you're 3% more muscle and 1% less fat, your body is going to move different. Uh, it's going to react differently to contact. Um, or, you know what, even if you're two guys exactly the same size or same height, you could have three inches more torso and two inches less leg than the guy next to you, which again is going to change all of the angles. 
uh, when you're reaching for pucks with your skate or your glove or your stick. Um, so yeah, trying to emulate another goaltender in terms of physical style, I think that's straight up silly. Um, but mental preparation. Yeah. I, I think that there are some goaltenders who are a whole lot better at staying in the moment and staying focused and staying aware of the game and what's going on versus, I don't know, guys who skate out of their crease uh, with several minutes left because they can't tell the difference between a tie game and a game in which they have a lead. Uh, I mean, but, some, okay. of the stat, some of the stats that they put up for this guy, I mean, and story might, stories may be a day or two old and, and, and whatnot, but uh, some of the numbers, I mean, he's, he's second in the league in goals saved against average. I did some yes. of these, some of these numbers are like, okay, you know, what's going on here? Uh, he's barely behind Vasilevsky in that stat. Uh, and the person in third is literally two goals behind two goals per behind him in third. It's, his and save percentage like, is right now. He'd be like if you weeded out how many you know because there are plenty of goalies that have one or two starts. But if you whittled it down to say five starts, he's like third or fourth in the league in save percentage at nine twenty seven. Yep, <laughs> and with that nine twenty seven number, he has no one who has played uh, an equal or greater number of games has a higher quality start percentage than him. And at 692 uh, for a for a percentage, that's impressive at 13 games. Because, as I said, nobody with, <clears throat> with as many games is in front of him. And, yeah. and again, this is a rookie. The guy, Vasilevsky, the reigning and defending, if you want to call it that, um... Stanley Cup champion, and didn't he win the Vesna as well? Uh, he doesn't have a better number, and his save percentage is not as good. Or actually, I'm sorry, his save percentage is very slightly better. Um, but realistically, uh, but honestly speaking, would you take the Tampa Bay defense or the Chicago defense uh, if you were building a team today? Uh, let's see, Victor Hedman, um, Ryan McDonough. Ryan McDonough, Sergachev, Cernak. Uh, yeah, I think Tampa Bay. <laughs> For 100, please. <laughs> so, can't, now, the I think the I think one of the more interesting stats and I'm not 100% sure. Uh, now where I where I stand on the stat um Goal saved above average. He's saved. He's he's expected. He's saved like not more than nine goals above average. That's a lot of wins. Nine goals over thirteen games. That's the difference between that seven three and three record and a three seven and three record. Mm-hmm. And he's a rookie. None of the guys anywhere near him who have played a similar number of games are anything like rookies. Philip Grubar, um, he's played 12 games. 
Um, he's yeah. in the same range as far as uh, as far as he's you know, the one uh, quality he's, start. He's the one that's two goals. Uh, that goal saved above average. He's yes. two goal. He's two whole goals behind Lankinen in third. Yes. I mean, it, it, if you look at his numbers, I mean, he's got a nine thirty six save percentage. His goals and against, again. Which defense would you actually prefer today? Uh, let's see. Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Colorado here. Bowen Byram, who, by the way, himself, since he's come on the league, has not let go either. For a team that – and I don't want to jump to Colorado, but just a quick statement. For a team that I said a couple years ago couldn't wouldn't draft defensemen, Suddenly, they have themselves a pretty good start at a young defensive core that is. They seem to have a top, <laughs> a top eight defense at worst, all of a sudden and almost completely out of nowhere. It's like, okay, how did they pass on Seth Jones? Well, you know, I, and you can't you can't make an excuse why you did. I that. think that criticism hit home, though. I really think that criticism hit home because drafting Bowen Byram. Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard. I don't. I don't know if he was a high draft pick, but he's a really good looking player. There's the start. There's half of your defense core on the ice during a game, and they're looking really good. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Chicago, you still. I still sit there, and I don't even. I can't even name half of their defensemen. And Sam Gerrard wasn't even one of their picks. Uh, they they swiped him from Nashville. Uh, Gerard was taken 47th in the 16 draft. Um, but it explains why he, I mean, Nashville is a place where they pride themselves on, on grabbing defensemen. I mean, you look yes. at the defensemen they've had come through their franchise. To a fault. So at this point it's to a fault in Nashville, but, uh, story for another day. Yeah. So Sam Gerard, not surprised actually. But Chicago, can you name half their defensemen without looking them up? I can't. I mean, nope. okay, Duncan Keith, yay. Yeah. A- I after mean, that, I'm lost. There's uh, <laughs> Isn't one of the Connor kids there? Um, Connor Murphy. Connor Murphy. Yep. And then there's someone whose last name is actually Connor. They have a Connor? Or Brickley. Uh, no. No, I thought Brickley was – well, at one point he was dead. But this is my point is we're going to sit here and band no, names I, back and forth. No, I couldn't name them. I literally couldn't name them. And they're playing in front of this 25-year-old kid who up until uh, – Game six or so? Yeah. It was the third starter because they were trying Delia and, and Malcolm Subban. I think in a way it's upped Malcolm Subban's game because he came out the other uh, couple of nights ago and had himself a really decent start. But it just – wow, yeah. He came out of nowhere. I mean – he was the third goalie, the youngest goalie, and had never seen an NHL game. Had never played an NHL game. He is a he is a Finn, and he does. And, and there are other Finns around the league. Uh, you know, Pekarene and Eunice Corpusalo, and 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 is Corpusalo a Finn? Off the top Sweet. of my head, I don't remember. And apparently, they've been friends since they were fifteen. That's why I think he was a Finn. Um, some guy named Rask in Boston. You know, you know, the no back, comment. You know, the backup guy. Um, no comment. <laughs> but yes, you're right. I, and I think one of the things that has to be 
that may end up becoming a discrete coaching uh, award at some point in the next year or two or next 10 years is goaltending coach. Not, I mean, we're still at a point where not every team has them, but Malcolm Subban has a 917 save percentage. Admittedly, it's only four games, but as an NHL goaltender in Vegas and here in here in Boston, that's hands down his highest. Uh, in 22 games in his first season in uh, Vegas, he had a 910. Um, he had a 902 in 21 games the next season. Um, even his even his goals against per game is down uh, to 265 from as high as three and change. Uh, in Vegas, and I think I think that the goaltending coach there deserves a lot of a lot of respect as well. Uh, having at least two out of three really young goaltenders prepared um, and ready to play their best hockey definitely not easy. And both of like the two of us met Malcolm Subban. Uh, when he was here in Boston, he is a great athlete, a great athlete. Yeah. I don't know that he actually thinks like most goaltenders think, which I think, which as far as I can tell has been one of his, has been one of his, uh, issues. But, um, as far as pure raw athletics, wow. Wow. <laughs> When he was picked here, we laughed about it. You know, it, 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 you know, wouldn't you, it be funny? You were the first go- person to make the call uh, <laughs> that I know of for him landing here, which wouldn't I be- thought was funny at the time. Well, yeah, said really that. Wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be funny if we drafted a Subban since they had PK was still in Montreal at the time? You know, grab his brother and bring him here to Boston. And then as it got closer, it's like they're going to do it. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. Uh, and Jimmy Waite is the goaltending coach uh, for the Blackhawks. Uh, he was uh, he was instrumental in their 2015 Jennings Trophy win. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not his first rodeo. No, and it's amazing how many of these goaltenders that didn't necessarily have the outstanding success that they've guided their 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 teams to. Because Bob Asenza, not, I mean. He was not a good goalie. But here in Boston, he's been guiding the careers of, of some of these youngsters. I mean, yes, again, Rasp, but the backups that he's had. He had Hudobin here for a couple of years. He's worked with, he's got, you've got Swayman and Vladar in, in the system that he's been, he's worked with. And we see him working with them during the development camps and everything. So, yeah, I think that they, there needs to be some sort of recognition of that that particular coaching position because it's a it's a unique position in in, in you don't in see sports. that in in it's basketball a- or baseball you know you don't have this one guy who it all comes down to I guess football what the equivalent would be like a quarterback or something because yeah be the one guy where the pressure and, resides and maybe uh maybe in baseball you might talk about a a pitching coach, but even there you've got, it's a very different dynamic. You've only got one or two real options in hockey and baseball. You have 
half a platoon of players who are so specialized. There are starters, there are middle relievers, there are uh, left-handed relievers, there are right-handed relievers, there are um, there are there are setup men, there are uh, closers, there's in 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 goaltending, there's guys who win games and guys who don't win games, and the split between them is how well they stay uh, out of their own head when things go wrong. There are, they do mention, as far as going for rookie of the year, going for Calder, I mean, it, it also helps that none of the high draft picks or none of the the expected players are really performing. I mean, you've got Lafreniere in New York, who only just scored his second goal of the season last night. Uh, the one real standout has been Kirill Kaprizov in Minnesota. Uh, but he's in Minnesota, so... But again, he's in Minnesota. You got Pew Suter, uh, who's second to Kaprizov in scoring. The issue here is that the goaltenders tend to get overlooked. I mean, like I said, Merzlikens last year and Mackenzie Blackwood, they finished fourth and fifth last season. Yeah. Um, I think this year, uh, one of the reasons that I actually really, really like. our goalie uh, for the Calder isn't just his own performance, but you just mentioned it. None of the, none of the rookie forwards or skaters is playing at a point per game level that happens on a reasonably regular basis. And there's really only one who's above league average at this point, And that's uh, Kaprizov. He's at 0.79 points per game. Uh, everyone else is, you know, 0.53, 0.56, or lower, um, Ty Smith might might push into the conversation as a defenseman, um, but I mean defensemen are probably at a worse handicap if they're not doing ridic- if they're not having ridiculous scoring uh, than other players. Plus, he's in New Jersey, um, but in 12 games, he's got eight points and a plus six. So I think we're probably going to be talking about him closer to the end of the season for the Calder uh, that a lot of uh, people would have expected at the beginning of the year. I mean, the year that in 2017, Matt Murray, and yes, we know Matt Murray and his, his issues in Pittsburgh, but the season before he's only like the second goaltender that's actually won a Stanley cup before his quote unquote rookie season. Yes. The first one being Dryden. Um, but he had a he made 47 starts in his rookie year after winning the cup. He went 32, 10 and four, 923 save percentage and finished fourth in the Calder voting. Now, unfortunately, that year, the winner was or fortunately, however you want to look at it, the winner was Austin Matthews. Then they had Patrick Line in second and in third was a defenseman in Zach Wierenski. Well, when you have five points on your first night in the NHL, I think they stop paying attention to every other rookie. That's a and, good possibility, yeah. I mean, for better or worse, and in a lot of cases I think it's for worse, because that team was an offensive juggernaut that year and remains so. Um, but 
it's just it, it it would be fun to it would be it would be fun and it, I think it would be good for the sport to see somebody other than a, a center highest, or a winger. The point, yeah, I, it, it should point be someone getter. other than the highest points getter. Because when's and the last time you saw a defenseman win the win win the award? Seriously. Uh, same with the Hart Trophy. When I mean, Carey Price is the last non-forward. And I don't even know that Carey Price had spectacular numbers that season. I think, well, he's Carey Price. He has a good goaltender when he's on, but. He, he, I don't know if he's having a little bit of a resurgence. I don't know if he's being pushed by Jake Allen up there. I don't know if, if somebody got in his ear or what, but he's he's not great, but he's. He's not terrible either. No. I just I would like to I would like to see them awarded to somebody other than just yes the highest point getter you know oh he he got the most points he's going to get it I mean last year with last year with the Cal McCarr Quinn Hughes debate it was nice to see that there were defensemen actually being nominated for the trophy. <laughs> uh, speaking of defensemen, uh, do you remember? Uh who can you off the top of your head? Do you remember who the last defenseman to win the Hart Trophy was? The Hart Trophy? Uh, I don't know. Scott Stevens in New Jersey. I honestly don't know. You're you're not very far off. Um, it was actually Chris Pronger in Philly. Uh, he yes, he was playing. No, he was playing for Saint, the St. Louis Blues in the ninety nine two thousand oh, okay. season. He, okay. But before that, the last defenseman to win was uh, Bobby Orr in seventy in sixty nine seventy 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 one and seventy one seventy two. Wait, and wait. Guess so what that's... he was in a couple of those years? The top scorer in the league. Top scorer in the league. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <coughs> I'm not saying Bobby Orr couldn't defend because, well, that would be silly. But and then you're going back into like the 40s again before there's another defenseman who won, and that would have been Tommy Anderson of the Brooklyn Americans, a name that, as long as I've been talking hockey, I am 100% sure I have never said before. I don't think I've ever mentioned his name. No. Then you have uh, Babe Siebert of the Montreal Canadiens and Eddie Shore in 35, 36, 36, 37, and 37, 38. Wait, are you trying to get – are you trying to get Lankin and nominated for the Vesna, Calder, and Hart? Um, the Vesna would be interesting. Um, I don't think he skates – he spends quite enough time outside his crease uh, to qualify, but uh, I'm less, I'm willing to talk about it. Okay. He's got a couple of assists. He does have a couple of assists, which, you know, really important. (laughs) He's got as many assists as the number one overall pick has goals, so. Ooh, that's that's a little bit cold. (laughs) But if you want to talk picks now, we do have a certain recent draft on the board to talk about tonight. This one surprised me because I don't remember discussing this. So what exactly is it that you want to discuss about this particular draft? 
Um, I have really just one question about this draft. Why is it terrible? Is it terrible because the players are really aren't that good, which is something that aside from Jack Hughes, I was inclined to believe before the draft or, or Mm -hmm. is it all the disruption in the world and the league since they were first eligible to play in it? Because the number one overall pick Jack Hughes in 72 games has a total of 30 points. Capo Caco, who many people, mostly New Yorkers, felt should have been the first overall pick, in 80 games has an amazing 26 points. Kirby Doc, the, who is currently injured and out for Chicago, otherwise they'd probably be in first place at this point, um, has 24 points in 64 games. Or, I'm sorry, 23 points in 64 games. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the top... Those are those guys were numbers one, two, and three in the draft. As far mm-hmm. as points total goes, the next person in line was drafted number forty, and that's Niels Hoglander. Niels Hoglander, and he's got a whole nine points in twenty-one games. Now that's close to half a point per game. That's that's somewhere. actually that's actually better as a points percentage than the three guys ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Vili, Vinny, uh, Vili Hainola, a defenseman who is actually at over half a point per game at five points in nine games. I mean, are we, are we expecting else. too much from a draft that happened two, two years ago? I don't know. I mean, but I understand that. I understand that at the, the top of a draft. And remember, last season started normally. It ran normally right until... March 12th, March 12th. So there was opportunity there. And those are, and let's see, we are this year. So is this a bad draft? Should we just uh, just write it off? I just think with, with what's happened in the past year, I think we have to give it a little bit more time to, to, to work itself out. I mean, the number four pick overall, as we discussed earlier, Bowen Byram is looking like a pretty solid defenseman up there in Colorado. Trevor Zegris, who <sighs> looked amazing at the, at the, uh, world US, juniors, is not even Jun- playing. Number nine pick isn't even playing. That's an Anaheim choice though. They just don't want to, they figured okay. with the shortened season, Rather but than burn a year of his entry level, let him spend a year in the minors. And, and even but still, what about he, Minnesota, Minnesota is clearly in the middle of a rebuild. They yeah. clearly need young talent. Number 12 pick overall, a guy we got to see in Bruins development camp a couple of years ago, Matthew Boldy, not playing. We got to see Trevor Zegris at Northeast. I mean, uh, Zegris. No, he's BU. I have to stop and think about which college they all went to. Boldy, we've seen at Boston College. Uh, again, they've, they've got Caprizov up there. Maybe they just don't want to burn him. I 
I don't know what the decision making is. Yes, they're clearly in a rebuild, but I, that's I'm just saying that this this particular moment in time it's a little too frenetic. It's a it's haphazard. So for you're another word, dodging I, the question. I get I'm not. I'm not dodging any question. I'm answering it honestly. I don't think that you can judge the whole draft based on what's happened between the time they were picked and now. If they had two full – I mean, 2019 draft happened before the 1920 season, obviously. Correct. But is it – you know, 1920 season. Oh, wait, we had to end that. And now we've started up this season, but we started it two months late. And it, did some of these kids play in in the summertime? It, it's just too haphazard. I I don't think it's fair to judge this draft until they've had one complete what you would consider normal season. You turn around and look at the kids and go, you know what? Maybe it's not as strong a draft as we thought. And it's not fair to compare this draft or any draft to 2003, as we all know. No, no, no. So, I'm not comparing them to 2003, but even pick a random draft that we haven't really talked about that much. 2010, 2000, uh, I mean, 13 was a fairly strong draft. Um, in some cases, are these kids still in school? Is Spencer, Spencer Knight's still at Boston College? Yes, but if they had... If they had said, "Look, you're going to be, you're going to uh, play no worse than at the number two spot for the first quarter of the season," uh, get your butt uh, out here. Do you really think he would have stayed in school? I don't think it's fair to ask a kid to leave school, and I I respect GMs that won't ask their kids to leave school. How do we know that his education doesn't come first? Yes, he wants to play in the NHL. I'm sure he does, because if you're that good and you're drafted in the first round, you can't say you don't want to be there. But maybe school is important to him finishing, you know, get this one last year out of the way. This wasn't a good year to come out, whatever the case may be. I mean, even even Boston's first pick, which was 30th overall because they lost in the final, you know, John Beecher, he's still at Michigan. Yes, but I mean, we're are we actually going to compare Boston's drafting to competent teams? Okay. Hey, hey look, Boston is in the bottom third of the league in by objective observers in terms of the depth of their pool. <laughs> yes, their their drafting has not been solid. Uh, as I said, competent. <clears throat> competent, good way to put it. Yeah. I just I I think that we need to give this draft a little bit more time to percolate. There are some there were some good looking kids in this draft in the first round. Not all of them, but most of them. I just think it needs to bubble over a little bit more and and then let's see what we've got. I'm not ready to say that it's a completely failed draft yet. No. But you're, you're looking you're for a yes way. or no answer. Okay. You're leaning if, that way. I get it. I'm leaning toward I'm leaning toward not a good draft, but I'm not ready to outright declare it a not good draft. I see. You're ready to say that this is a bad draft? 
Uh, I didn't think it was a great draft going into the 2019 draft. I didn't think that the 2020 draft was all that great either. True. Um, so, yes, I think that there is – I think that most of the forwards in this draft are upside middle six. And I think that most of the defensemen are upside number two, number three defensemen at best. As far as Detroit's concerned, Moritz Sider, they're going slow with him. They're not, they're not rushing him along at all. And the people in Detroit want them to bring him in. But well, Iserman's not ready to move him to the big club yet. He's still playing in Europe. Which I don't necessarily blame him for because they can at least milk their uh, – <laughs> milk their rebuild for another year or two and okay. acquire some acquire some actual useful players in the draft since I don't know that it's actually a destination for free agents. Um, mm. uh, yes, it's an original six city. Yeah, you're travel wise. You're not going to be too far from a lot of the league. Um, but. Come on. Of all of the cities in America, is Detroit uh, a place where you think of as a destination for someone who's going to live well, really, really well? Mm, probably not. No. Um, but they do have they do have nine picks in the next draft. And I think they have nine picks in the draft after that, too. Wouldn't no, want eight. to push them down 15 or, or five or 10 spots if you can avoid it. <laughs> yeah. Now, hey. what is the one thing that I kept repeating as soon as they announced the format for this season? The one oh, thing wait, that was going to define oh, wait, the season. The answer to this question last week. Uh, coaching was going to be imperative and important. Yes. The year of the coach. The year, year of, the, of coach. the coach. There we go. And as far as I'm concerned, there's only three things that need to be on ballots for – uh, the Jack Adams Award for this year. The Jack Adams Award. Yep. Uh, hmm. I don't know. There's two good names. You have oh, you have names already. I mean, I I have two names and a designated third place as the other vote because it it's irrelevant. One of these two guys should win. And they have a connection. My list right now today is Jeremy Collin in first, Joel Quenville second, and I don't care about the third place. I was going to say, I I have those two as my – I haven't assigned them a one or a two yet because what Joel Quenville is doing in Florida is – is impressive. He's gotten a group that has never performed to their to their purported talent level to perform to their purported talent level. Short run so far, but you can only play the schedule you have. Yes. Uh, I just I look at I look at that team and oh by the way, another goaltender that's stepping up. Uh, in in light of the fact that the the quote unquote starter down there makes ten million dollars a year, uh, but Chris Drieger Drieger Drieger, however they want to pronounce it, I think they pronounce it Drieger, has been 
outstanding in stealing starts away from Bobrovsky. Hey, I said, what did I say when Bob was signed uh, to go to Florida? Bob's a Vesna Trophy winner. Yes, he is. But what he, did I say when he, he was signed to go to Florida? I don't remember because Bobby Lou was still there, and I mean, well, this was. I've said this a couple of times about certain players from a certain country and that state. Florida is where Russian players Russian. go to die. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. The Russians. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, yeah, he has not looked good since he stepped off the plane. I don't He's know good. if, if it's his gold. I don't know if it was the team in front of him or his yes. goaltending style, or lack of good coaching, or... Communication, perhaps. His communication. communication. Because Chris- right now, today, the two of them both have eight eight games started, mm-hmm. eight games played. Um, they are... Uh, Dreidger is 6-1-0. and oh. <laughs> Bobrovsky... Somehow, 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 is five two and zero. Oh. Actually, both of them have an overtime loss too. But goals against average, there's over half a goal, well over half a goal between them because Dreidger is at a two thirty five, Bobrovsky is at a three eighteen. Maybe it's just a difference in who they've been put on the ice against. I don't know. I'd have to look at their at the games actually played, but their save percentages. Are ridiculously nowhere near each other. Bob, 889, which is, for those who are not still stuck in the mid-1990s, Awful. on good. On good. Nice way to put it. Okay. And Chris Dreidger, who's uh, at a 926. He's, he's, he's one he's thousandth of a percentage point behind our boy Kevin Lankinen. Um. That's well up into territory where you can describe it with one four-letter word. Stud. Nine twenty-six a percentage. Uh, you're you're doing stuff right, and you're probably good at hockey. And oh, by uh, the way, he's only twenty-six. Yes, uh, slightly too old to be in the in the run for the uh, Calder, but and. Amazingly enough, this num this season may actually be hurting his career numbers a little, only because yes. if you look at his career, he's a two point two one goals against with a nine thirty save percentage. Yeah, he had a nine thirty eight save percentage in twelve games last year for this team. Um, and I'm the rest of the roster. That, I'm thinking that Bob needs to be looking over his shoulder a little bit. I'm granted he's got the big contract, but. Uh, are contracts guaranteed in the NHL? Not so much. Mm-hmm. Ten million could become zero million. Well, not. Yeah, <laughs> he can be bought out, but it's uh, it's he, he's I, not going to be getting two thirds. I was going to say he's not going to be getting no ten million. It's just when you start looking at somebody who's playing like this, you start looking at a Lankin and you start looking at some of these backups that that seem to be performing. As good as, if not better than, their starting, quote-unquote, counterparts. Um, at what point do these teams start talking about, you know, do we really need to be paying a goaltender $10 million a year? I think we're headed back, depending on what happens the rest of this year with the 
international health situation um, and revenue for next season, uh, which hopefully will be normalized. Um, we might see a exodus of talent from the NHL for no other reason than salary. Um, I know that other countries are basically the, in Europe, they've had, depending on which country you're in more luck controlling, or at least talked about the actual numbers less. Uh, and I, I think that we could see a number of players just cut and not picked up in the NHL again for for nothing more than to hit the new cap numbers, whatever they turn out to be. I mean, can you blame, can you can you give all their success? I mean, it, it's it's one of the biggest things in 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 all of sport, not just in hockey, but to sit there and say that you know whenever a team loses. It's the coach's fault, but whenever a team wins, it's only because of the players. I mean, what was it that turned Huberdeau's career? Uh, two years ago, up until two years ago, Huberdeau was meh. He was all right. As far as I was concerned, he was a punchline because he was, he was, right. he yeah, was a he career was, underperformer. Nothing to write home about. 2018-19 season, plays in all 82 games, scores 92 points, 30 hits 30 goals for the first time in his career. And then but, last season, 69 games before they stopped, he had 78 points. Yes. What was it two years ago that suddenly flipped a switch for him? I don't a hundred percent know, but if you look at the numbers through the first six or seven years of his career, yeah, I mean, I'm looking. 25, uh, the 2015, 26 season, he had 20 goals. That was his highest goal total as what was he a first, second uh, pick overall? Huberto, uh, top three. Third pick, third pick overall yeah. in the 2011 draft. Yeah, not 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 the most impressive of resumes at, up to that point. I mean, he did hit 27 in 2017-18. He he struggled. Uh, 2016, 17, he only played in 31 games, but he finally hit 27. Then he hit 30. I mean, it, it, but even then, it was like, okay, what's going on? You know, what? what why is Huberto flailing? And then all of a sudden, two years ago, boom, flipped the switch. Now he's top tier performer. Uh, Someone had to have gotten in his ear while he was out injured, and it took him that. Between the full recovery from missing so many games and then just having a regular normal season and realizing that he still had work to go because he looks like a different player. He really yes. looks like a different player. But he's he's part of that research and, and, and they have Barkov, they have and they've gotten rid of decent players, too. I mean, they traded away Vincent Trocek, who is yes. not a terrible center. No, he Vincent Trocek <laughs> could improve a good number of teams in the NHL, including teams in playoff positions. Uh, but they're getting performance from a lot of guys, some of them at the tail end of their career. I mean, Patrick Hornquist, not precisely young anymore. Um, he's at just under a point per game. And Hornquist is 34 years old. 
Uh, Anthony Duclair quietly having a solid season, not spectacular, but still at 10 points in 15 games. There's always a chance that we can get Anthony Duclair's name into the show. <laughs> um, but they're getting balanced scoring. Um, they actually still don't have a player to hit who has hit 10 goals. Um, but look at the standings. Look at the standings yep. right now. They are in second place in the in the <clears throat> Discover Central. They are their goal differential in 16 games is a plus nine. Uh, they've got a winning record at home. They've got a winning record on the road. Uh, they're one and one in the shootout. Their last 10 games, they're six, three and one. This is a very organized and composed, I guess, is probably the best way to talk about the team because they don't really have any long. Uh, they haven't had any long winning or losing streaks. They haven't had or any long losing streaks. They haven't had any prolonged stretches of bad play. Are they playing in the hardest division in the league? No. Although, you know, the fact that the defending Stanley Cup champions are somehow in fourth place um, and probably, I think, 99 out of 100 uh, non-local columns had uh, Tampa winning this division easily at the beginning of the year. Um, yeah, it's it's a very odd year. So just to tie a bow on it, because now we've talked about Quenville, we talked uh, Chicago, Colleton, what he's done there. I mean, having Kevin Lankin and backstop that team, but what Colleton's had to deal with with not having Taze and, and just the not having not Kirby having Doc. Taze, no name uh, defense, third string it, goaltender, no Kirby <laughs> Doc. Um, probably argue, and Kirby Doc is possibly the best player in that draft. Um, yeah, Chicago. Yes, Patrick Kane has been Patrick Kaning, which will never hurt your team's chances of success. But so even even allow even you know if you start looking at uh, players beyond Lankinen and, and beyond Lankinen and Kane, the team is performing. I can actually, I can actually, uh, so like I said, to tie a bow on it, you're, you said you have those two and then a third just because. Did you have a name for that third or you just No, I literally have third designated is, third place on my list because I don't care. I have, I have a third. I actually have two options. One of them is kind of flailing at the moment. They've gone into a little bit of a slide, but Claude Julian possibly for uh, you could slide Claude Julian's name in there because of I wasn't expecting this kind of uh, output yeah. from from Montreal but they've done a little bit of a slide they're back in third in their in 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 the north uh, I think close, but yeah okay but they still have a better winning percentage than the two teams immediately ahead of them or points percentage there's is at 625 versus Winnipeg 618 and Edmonton 600. Um, but, and, and bear me out on this one, my third choice, and it's the reason and the, 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 the golden thread I can tie through most of these teams is, is the goaltending again. Um, 
and the fact that they've moved themselves into a playoff spot that was unexpected. Todd McClellan in L.A. See, I refuse to believe that anything real is coming out of the Western Conference this year. I'm not the, saying uh, they're going to win it all, but that team let's face is... It, Colorado yeah. has had some issues, and they've only played 14 games. Um, Arizona, we're going to talk about in a minute. Minnesota missed a bunch of games, mm-hmm. and and Minnesota has again a better win percentage than LA. Um, I I I just can't believe in anything Los Angeles. I'm not saying that there's not a. Cal I can't believe Peterson, in anything that, California. Period. I Cal just Peterson, can't. that backup goaltender, nine twenty again, nine twenty six save percentage, stealing starts away from Jonathan Quick. Not that it's all that hard to do at this point because Jonathan Quick is on the back nine. He's a shadow of his former self, as they say. But Cal Peterson has been ridiculous. Uh, Again, I still have yet to receive an answer on what the hell they did to Dustin Brown, because he's leading the team in goals. Uh, Whatever it is, it's probably the same (laughs) thing they did to David Krejci that has him winning foot races at 34, something he couldn't do at 24. I mean, he's got 16 games played. He's got 14 points. He's a plus six. Uh, where, who is this Dustin Brown in the last three, four years? Where suddenly it was like a light went on again with the flipping of the damn switch. But he is just not the same Dustin Brown that we saw during the first decade of his career. Uh, and Anze Kopitar obviously leading the team, but they've got good young talent. They got Ayafalo, who's up there third or fourth in scoring on the team. I think you have to give an outside shot. I'm not saying that he should get it. I'm not saying that you put him ahead of Quenville or Colleton at all, but I think he's another at least deserves a mention and deserves a nod. They may fall back down and they may not make the playoffs, but right now he's got that team into a playoff spot. I, I just flat out can't see. Los Angeles making the playoffs without serious upgrades. I just can't. Well, even if they give, should they bring in Quentin Byfield then? Even if they give the net for the rest of the year, eight out of ten games to Peterson, and he holds up with a with a save percentage above nine twenty, I just don't think they have the ponies. Now Montreal, if you look at their roster and their skaters for their points. Um, what sticks out to you? Uh, plus 11, plus 11 goals. That's, that's a good thing. But, uh, as far as where their, where their players are sitting, uh, in their, in their internal, uh, stats. Where their players are sitting. Uh, You look at their, look at these stats for the team. So I pull up the roster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Tyler Toffoli leads the team in scoring six point per game. Kind of awesome. He's doing it all this year. Well, the second guy is, is defenseman Jeff Petrie, who's pretty surprising, but okay. And that's not, that's not what I'm uh, getting at. You've got Nick Suzuki. 
Nick Suzuki's fun to watch, by the way. Yes, um, he is. But uh, Tyler Toffoli, literally filling all categories at this point. Yes. The only thing he doesn't have is an overtime goal. He has shorthanded points. He has power play points, scoring at even strength, leads the team in goals, leads the team in in points. At this point, he, he is was, their MVP. But he, he yes, but he was that good in. I mean, his one season in Vancouver. He was he, he was that good in L.A. Yes, with better teammates. I think that's why we didn't see this out of Tyler. I think it would less seeing this and more being overshadowed by Jeff Carter, Anze Kopitar. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of other, other forwards. I mean, there's other defensemen, obviously drew Doughty. I think with all the names on that team, I think Tyler Toffoli just kind of got buried in the clutter. It wasn't so much that he wasn't that good. It was just that he couldn't emerge as, I'm here. I think there was just enough around him. Even Dustin, the reemergence of Dustin Brown, to a point. Uh, you know, the whole thing with that '70s line, he kind of got lumped in with with Tanner Pearson and Jeff Carter. Yes, they were a unit. They were a great unit. Um, but look at the top ten in scoring for the for the uh, Canadians this year. And there's one thing that really sticks out to me, and something that the two of us. Uh, have talked about off and on over the years, even going back to well before we started the show or even considered doing the show. Uh, and it's one of those reasons that some teams well, just never get over the hump. I mean, there's balance there. You got six players all in double figures and points. What sticks out to me and I'm pretty certain other people will start commenting on this in the next of sh- couple of weeks. Lots of shooting. Two out of ten. Okay. Only two of their top ten scorers, Jesveri Kukinemi, and oh my god, did he have a pretty breakaway goal where people completely <laughs> forgot he was on the ice the other night. And yeah, Brendan Gallagher. That are the only two of their top 10 scorers that are drafted and developed by the team. All eight of the other players came from other organizations. They were all That's drafted true. by other by organizations. Other. So, you, so you're still saying Mark Bergeron can't draft, even though it's scouting. I'm saying that Mark Bergeron, whatever he can do, whatever, whatever he can't do at the draft, he's better as a trader. He's doing something right, and and I know that we've gotten on him quite a bit. And you're right; it, it, it's been for a while now that it's we've well gotten deserved. on him. It, they, they, I don't know. He needs to revamp the scouting staff, whatever it is. But you're right, I, and I hadn't picked up on that. Yes, only two of those players are, are homegrown, and that's that. I mean, when you're when you're buying in a from a position of need or a weak position. Um, most of these players came in via trade. Um, you're, you're spending assets. Admittedly, if you're drafting poorly, you're probably not going to get much out of them anyways, but you're making it other e- easier for other teams to rebuild quicker than you are. And, you know, Tyler Toffoli, their number one LA pick via, uh, via, um, Vancouver, Jeff Petrie has bumped around the league. I believe he's been in Edmonton. I want to say he's been 
what two other teams as well? Is it three? Um, no, just Edmonton. Just Edmonton, yeah. Um, where I wasn't necessarily impressed by him, but uh, he's the, he's done the, well. The thing that kills Bergevin is that he makes deals like bringing in Druin and giving up a Michael Sergachev. Yes. It, 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 as good or as as well as Druin seems to be playing, and, and he needs to get off this night. He's only got one goal in the season, but he does have 10 assists. I mean, he's certainly helping out distributing the puck. Uh, and two of his assists have come on the power play, so it's not like he's doing it all uh, with a man advantage. He's, he's His points are coming even strength. It, but you trade away a, a, a chip like Michael Sergachev, that's what or gets him all the negative all reactions. The Which, because, again, yes. he deserves. He made the trade. He could have attempted to make other trades. I will I will give him a willingness to go after what he wants ahead of certain other GMs who play who normally play in the Montreal division um, and doesn't really come away uh, from the po- or from the trade deadline um, or that marvelous little frenzy right after free agency opens uh, empty handed or with, you know, third liners. Uh, but there's, it, he deserves a lot of the criticism, but I, I think he's also made some really savvy choices in what he's used to build his roster. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe it's pure luck. I don't believe so, but like Nick pure Suzuki luck once or twice, but, I mean, he's got enough people on this roster that he's brought in that, okay, maybe he doesn't have the best talent evaluators, but he's bringing in talent from other places. Yeah, Nick Suzuki. I can't I really have that. To go, I really have to go back and look at his draft report, but they currently have him listed at 5'11 and 208 pounds, and I... I remember Nick Suzuki being a skinny twig at like five, eight when he was drafted in 17. Ah, uh, Nick Suzuki. Yeah. He's he, I don't remember him being listed as very, very big or heavy. And by heavy, you know, just bulk wise, I think he yeah. was like one sixty five or something. I mean, Oh, the numbers, he, he was absolutely a small guy. Um, and I think that's part of the reason he was drafted 13th that year. And not any higher. I mean, you go to <clears throat> you, you bring up the elite prospects report, and it's like drafted by drafted by Vegas. You know, that's great. You know. But yeah, listed at at five eleven. It, it, it says five eleven two oh one. So I don't know if the I don't know if they updated based on what his current size is. Or if he really was 5'11", 201 on draft day. I don't, I don't, I don't think that. so. Uh, let's see. Buying. I do have future considerations from... <laughs> You'd have to pull that up. and I just... I, I'm looking at... the and Bringing in guys like... Again, back to the goaltending. But to bring in a guy like Jake Allen, who's maligned uh, in, San, in St. Louis because... Some guy named Bennington. So not too thrilled. 
He comes in. He knows he's backing up Carey Price. He's not going to take Carey's job unless they made him some kind of promise. But, again, you look at his numbers compared to Carey Price. His draft year, he was listed at 5'11", 185. Wow. Okay, there you go. So, so he's a little heavier than I thought, but not still not a big guy. Um, future considerations had him at 18. I want to say that uh, he was higher on a couple of the other lists. But Vegas, who's been more successful over the last three years than Montreal, couldn't find a use for him, and Montreal did. I was going to say, that's the thing, is Vegas being in the position they were in, you can trade away. I'm not happy about it. You know, Vegas shouldn't be happy about it. But being in the position they're in to be able to trade away a, a, a talent like Suzuki and not have it have that adverse effect on the team it, it, it so it's a benefit to both teams oh absolutely um we we have a topic that topic we wanted to discuss and oh, yeah. not leave uh, and not leave eight or spend too much time on it and be uh, not swear too much uh <laughs> but in pre-summary of this one it appears the more things change the more they stay the same and that, for once, the NBA did something smarter uh, in terms of ownership than the <laughs> NHL. That's the way we're going to phrase it. Okay. <laughs> the Arizona Coyotes are a sun-warmed disaster. I was going to say, is hot Financially, at this point. Too simple? <laughs> um. They're being sued by former employees uh, on the ge- on the general staff. They're being sued, or there someone is seeking arbitration, which is still a nice way of suing someone. Um, that would be as a former GM. assistant ge- general manager. Mm-hmm. Strongly worded letters have been sent uh, to the team regarding failure to pay signing bonuses, and. Uh, because, you know, the other thing that every team needs is a good sexual harassment suit, uh, or complaint. Yes, they have one of those too. Throw one of those in as well. There we go. Now we've completed the collection. I think they come free with like your first two lawsuits or something. Um, also the owner's, uh, son who has a fancy title and probably a fancy salary to go with it. Assuming it's being paid, um, they listed his salary, but he list- was seen. You, you from the article from the article in the uh, Athletic, he was seen scrolling through non-hockey related videos for <clears throat> extended periods at his desk. And so my question is, if the NBA declined the current ownership. Given how much more often the NBA shuffles around teams, both moving them physically and sale of the teams, why? Why did the NHL's Board of Governors approve this sale? I know that they needed an owner. But come on. I mean, there, there there's some things inferred in the article, things like Marullo is uh, 
Hispanic descent, uh, and they wanted the the team in the region that they're in is a high has a high Hispanic count, and they thought that and they have actually worked a lot of promotions with the Hispanic community, and and that's a good thing. You want to yes. bring in, you want to diversify. You that's a good thing, but is it is that enough of a reason to allow this man to purchase a team. The Atlanta Hawks, he was going to purchase the Atlanta Hawks in the NBA, and the NBA said, mm, looked over your financials, and no. It, it, it's, and, and that's the thing, is that there's a lot of financial irregularities. They have a lot of issues with it, they default, and, and and it's a quote here from one vendor that says they default on a bill and then chisel you down to what you accept and then they pay you. One executive at a company provided services. The team said his unpaid voices started stacking up before COVID. He feared he wouldn't be paid at all. Eventually got a call from one of the associates who questioned a litany of items on each invoice, asking who had signed off on the expenditures. The vendor finally caved, even though his lawyers said don't. He finally caved and just took whatever they offered to pay. And apparently this is the way business is done under Marullo. This is something he's done with his casinos as well. It's not, I mean, there's a track record. There's a history here. And I don't know why he was accepted. I understand that it's tough to find billionaires willing to buy teams, especially if you're trying to keep that team in that market. And it's not like it hasn't been successful. They, they've they had the building filled or close to filled a lot of the, a lot of times and even half filled most of the time. It's, it's not like the team is completely abandoned in Arizona where they really shouldn't be there. No, and they were on the upswing, and I think we finally, not that he's discussed much in this article, but I think we finally have the reason why John Chaka, who was one of the bright stars of management, uh, was willing to talk to other teams about lesser positions. Guess what? They were probably actually going to guarantee his paycheck. (laughs) I mean, John Chaka's... John Chaka is a, a fairly young guy. He doesn't have the cash reserves or paid off houses or secondary revenue streams that a lot of older general managers have. Um, I mean, it, there's a lot of stuff in this article. It's an, it's pretty it's it's well written. It's by Katie Strang. Um, I would definitely take uh you know half an hour and sit down and read it. Um. At, as always, uh, stop before you get to the comments. And I just, you read some of the things that I, you know it caught. And, and the first thing that caught my eye is that uh, one of the things I said, cost-cutting measures included cutting payroll. Well, Derek Stepan is gone. They were trying to trade away, whether it was his own choice or not, they were trying to trade away Oliver Ekman Larson and his eight and a quarter mil. Um. They do have still have Kessel around, but they're playing a lot of young. They've, they've got youngsters in there. Yes. And, and those youngsters are taking up. I mean, you've got Dvorak, who's yeah, you got Bellows, you got Jacob Chikrin, who's uh, got himself a decent contract now, but still youngster and not making a huge dollar amount. It's, I mean, 
it's not surprising. The surprising is all the other stuff that's going on. Players not receiving signing bonuses, like you said. Per diem payments weren't not being made during the during the bubble, during the summertime playoffs. Some some summertime, you know. And this is all stuff that is not uncommon based on what Katie found out. Basically, she said they inter- she interviewed 50, 50 people, current and former uh, employees, and and people who've worked with the organization to get all this information. It, it, it's not like one or two. She really covered a broad spectrum. Of, of personnel to get this article is based on interviews with more than 50 people, including current former employees span multiple departments, as well as people who have business relationships with the club. It, it's, she didn't just go one or two and, and, and stop. She's she, not cherry picking, uh, the first three things that will get her, that will get her clicks. Exactly. Um, this is, this is really a good, good article. Um, I'm going to have to go back and read it after the show. My question, uh, I do have one question though. And I, I, and, and that question is, can or should Gary Bettman step in and do something? I mean, can he allow this to continue? Should the NHL take over this team? You know, at this point, there's, I don't know what the language of the purchase agreement, uh, or the franchise agreement with the league is, but I'm willing to bet that there's uh, clauses dealing with um, <clears throat> the financial irregularities that popped up almost right away. Um, and you know, as one of the uh, as one of the people with a dispute with the team puts it, breach of contract. Um, if there's a breach of contract. Uh, current ownership of the coyotes might not be there very long, uh, which means the team could end up owned by the league again. I just, for, I, I, for a number of years. I understand that it's tough to find people to buy teams. I mean, not every, not every billionaire not every bi- is lining up to, to purchase a, a franchise. I just, I, I don't know that you can survive and, 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 Except that you can't kind of accept a PR hit. I mean, someone at some point finally put a muzzle on Eugene Melnick, um, and <laughs> most of We're what amazed. he did was less detrimental to the team or and the league, um, even if he was saying some remarkably stupid stuff. Uh, but you know what? People were still you know actually being paid, and. When you're yes. when you have a promising young um, assi- assistant general manager willing to go on the record at one of the most respected genre, uh, sports uh, or industry magazines saying that they're seeking arbitration, you have taken your paint by uh, color, uh, your water uh, color paint book um, and filled in things that turn into a marvelous nuclear tire fire. Um, and I, I'm willing to bet you if there were less insanity behind the scenes, not only would John Chakas still be in Arizona, but they would be five to seven points higher up uh, in the standings. 
because player people no one no one performs their best when they're not getting the money that they're owed. I worked in a couple of places when I was younger, uh, a couple of restaurants where paychecks were iffy. If you weren't one of the three or four uh, first people to cash it, it was going to bounce. Um, not mm-hmm. not a good look. It's not a good look for the NHL. Um, and I think that you're going to see, if not an official policy of you know a ten year waiting period for a person who's uh, for a person who's been rejected by one of the other leagues then certainly if not an official policy, then certainly an unofficial one. On the other hand, they rejected Mark Cuban, who is a great businessman for being too outspoken. Um, it, Mark I, Cuban, it, 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 that's a different kettle of fish, I think. <laughs> look, I love outspoken people. It's not a secret. I mean, look at the list of people in the NHL that I really like John Tortorella, Brian Burke, uh, Paul Maurice, uh-huh. um, not exactly the shyest crew ever. Um, but my but goodness, imagine if they were running a team. <laughs> Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban is not going to allow, much less be directly involved in the sort of. Um, I think that the lovely British uh, term that we, doesn't get used much in uh, in the U.S. and I think will not qualify as a uh, non-safe for word, uh, non-safe for work word uh, is buggery um, that, that we've seen uh, in, in Phoenix right now. Uh, So to quote one last vendor and put a nice little bow on this quote, this is a group of people not acting honorably on the basis of business, not treating people and their partners with respect. If those are the borders that define a dumpster fire, then there is indeed a fire burning within the borders of this dumpster. Unquote. Done. Um, waiver wire or UFA spotlight? Ah, uh, waiver wire. And this is one of those thing. One of those reasons I believe the NHL has to act sooner rather than later with Phoenix. Um, you can't have good revenue if the, if your community finds your team, uh, team ownership completely repugnant, um, unless you have absolutely the best team in the league and it's not even close. And right now, uh, Phoenix doesn't have that Anaheim ducks recently placed, uh, or yesterday placed Adam Henrique on waivers. Um, he's got a no movement, a modified, no movement clause, 10 team, no trade list. Um, according to cap friendly, and he's got three more seasons after this year at 580 uh, at 5.8 and change, uh, per year mm-hmm. placed on waivers, not really having a bad, I mean, he's at a quarter of a point per game, which is below his normal, but last year, 26 goals on a team. That's let's face it awful. Um, which was the second highest of his career. Um, he have three this year. He's only got yeah. He's only got three points this year, but no, he got four points. He's only got three goals. He's got he one three assist. Goals. Um, but the team is awful. Is okay. I mean, there's no real debate about the team being awful. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, no, I still feel bad for John Gibson. Because <laughs> he's one of the better goaltenders in the NHL. And What percentage of the salary is Anaheim going to have to eat to be able to trade him sometime between now and the start of next season? Because I really don't expect to see him uh, be picked up uh, when teams can get him cheaper or better at friendlier deals later. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be quite half. I think it's probably going to be 30%. I think if you can take that number under 4 million, um, he becomes a great option. In fact, he becomes a, he becomes a third line center depending on the team. You're second or third line. Yeah. Well, if it were if it were to be the home team here, it would be minimum. It would be maximum third because he's not replacing Bergeron or Krejci unless well, Krejci is again, out hurt. Krejci's contract is up mm-hmm. at the end of the year, and given that the cap is likely to go down, that means. Are we seeing that, a Krejci trade in our future, like trade deadline? Uh, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me. No, it wouldn't surprise me either. I hate to say um, it. I just, I don't know that Adam Henrique is, I think if you put him, and I hate to say this to Anaheim, but I think if you put him with better quality players around him, I think his numbers go, I, I'm, I'm sure his numbers go up. It's just a matter of by how much. And I think if you put him on a team where, I don't know that the Bruins wingers on the second line are great. I mean, they, 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 if, Jake here's DeBrusque. the difference. If you're playing him with Jake DeBrusque, mm-hmm. Jake DeBrusque is also a scoring threat. We've seen proof that Adam Henry can be a consistent court scoring threat. Um, it's going to make a difference who you put on the right on the other side of him, but he's reasonable at faceoffs. Um, with again, with players who are actually worthy of the NHL. Um, and I think with him, DeBrusque, I don't know who you're putting on the third on the, uh, as number three on that line. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that you're going to break up the, uh, Rafters line. Um, no, but if you did I was surprised that Cassidy did it the other day, Cassidy was again, sending a message and, uh, I'm not 100% and, surprised by it because they were the playing bad. Was, the team was playing bad. It was it was wake up. Okay. Okay. So 30% brings you 30% off the top brings the salary down to four million seventy seven thousand five hundred. Is there a better option at two C in the uh, for next season in the in the Bruins system than? Than than a healthy Adam Henrique. The answer is Charlie Coyle. I love Charlie Coyle, but no. Mm-hmm. Charlie Coyle is probably the written definition of above average third center in the NHL. I will say I love the fact that Adam Henrique wins fifty seven percent of his faceoffs. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of nice. Um, like literally, the, the only is, thing I have against Adam Henrique at this point is his age, because he's 30. not a long-term solution. 
and no, that's and it. I agree. At thirty-one, he's not long-term. I mean, he's good for but what three three years or so. Four years. Given that Patrice Bergeron is <laughs> thirty-five uh, almost, you're looking at major turnover and change to the team, anyways. So I would be willing if they if it could be made to work, even though they have to sign other players currently on the roster this offseason. If it could be made to work, I wouldn't complain. I think that he's a really good player. Who he does play? He, he does play all phases. He's not. Who he's has got, never really consistently played with good players? He's got fourteen shorthanded goals in his career. Because uh, this this off season, they uh, Kevin Miller is probably due a contract. Brandon Carlo is. Absolutely, do a contract. They're yes. goaltending. Um, that's that's the bigger question that we really need to talk about that's in the next week or show. Two. But yeah, that's I mean that's half of show. Like what to do with those two, um, and what's going on in the know, system. And I need can't more do until you know what's going on with the number one, though. Uh, no, you can't do it until you know what's going on with the number three. Because then you can decide how much to have to spend on one and two. Good point. Yeah, I could see it that way. Okay. Um, and long term, both Brandon Carlo, at least over the next two seasons, Brandon Carlo and Kevin Miller are probably more important than whoever is number two. Assuming your number one is healthy. Mm-hmm. But, okay, uh, so we've done, we've covered Adam Henrique. I think that there are better places like Minnesota for him to land. Um, as far as immediate impact on the team and pushing them up the standings. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think Carolina might even be a fascinating place for him to go. Um, but one of the teams who probably should be attempting to claw their way, bite their way and trample their way to the front of the line that probably will not. The Nashville predators. Cause Quite frankly, the way other people are playing right now, he might be their number one center, <laughs> which isn't good because I, I was going to say I can see the I can see the argument, uh, <laughs> but it's but that that's not an argument for a good team. It's an argument for a good player. Like realistically, if he were landing in Nashville today, and you're assuming you're not sending out any of the any of the centers who are in town at present. I would be seriously, seriously tempted to throw Matt Duchesne on his left wing and uh, say Luke Cunning on his right wing and give yourself your, your new first line. And in, in, in doing somehow insult Philip Forsberg. Mm, Philip Forsberg. Uh, you're probably going to have to put him with Colton Sissons and have them make a second line. That's going to be viable. Uh, I mean, maybe, so maybe you flip the, maybe you flip that option instead of Forsberg on the left, you put, uh, instead of Deshane on the left, you put Forsberg on the left, Mm -hmm. uh, which could be fun. Yes. And still give you two centers who are at least, number two centers playing in your top two spots. I mean, are you moving Duchesne out of the center, posi- out of the center position for a reason? Uh, 
I kind of feel a lot of times like he's one of those guys who needs a kick in the posterior. But in seven, I mean, in 17 games, he's at eight points. Um, and this is, of course, only until uh, certain players get healthy again, uh, because I think Ryan Johansson is still your best option at 1C um, among all those players if he's healthy. Matt Deshane still and has wins his 52%. Right. Matt Deshane does win 52% of his faceoffs. It's not great. Uh, not not as good as 57, obviously. Uh, Ryan Johansson actually is at 56%. He's I, did he just? I mean, he's only 28, and it's like he fell off a table or something. Uh, Nashville is clearly not the right environment for Ryan Johansson. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's there's too much defensive structure on the team. If it's just not a city, maybe he's got serious allergies and he's allergic to something that's pretty common in the area and never clear headed. But I, I don't know. It's not the right place for him. Okay. So we'll send Adam Henrique to the land of country music. Okay. And uh, the other one, other one, other one, where, where, what was the other thing we were looking at? Oh, UFA Spotlight. Yes, who are we spotlighting today? The Nuge. The Nuge. Ah, he's Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who had me. a rough entry into the NHL because he was played too soon when he was legitimately a skinny stick and broken all the time because of it. Uh, is a UFA this this offseason. Uh, without diving deep into the possibilities, I think it's a safe bet to say. Yes. They can't re-sign him in Edmonton. Uh, no, they have like half of their cap tied up in two players. So, And they also have like half of their roster in need of contracts this summer. I mean... Can you can you play with just two players? <laughs> I'm pretty certain the answer to that is no. But I mean, they pay them like they can. I mean, it, they legitimately have over 21 million tied up between Drysaitel and McDavid. Well, yes. If you and I love that they added this column to cap friendly. If you look at the two of them combined, they are responsible for 25.7 percent of the cap. Right. Here's the two here's the players. People. Yes, I mean that's as bad uh, at one point <laughs> as as Pittsburgh was. Here's the players in need of a contract this year in Edmonton: Ryan Nugent Hopkins, mm-hmm. Alex Chason, um, Jihar Kahari, who got dinged last night on an unfortunate hit, um, hockey play, but unfortunate hit. Yeah, Tyler Ennis. Dominic Cahoon, uh, Gaten Haas, Kaylor Yamamoto. Uh, those are the forwards. At, at defense, Adam Larson, Tyson Berry, who's doing well there this year. Uh, Slater Cuckoo, who also got dinged uh, at one point. And then in that, um, their nice young 38-year-old goaltender, Mike Smith. Um, 
of note that is that Ethan Bear is still on IR. Um, as are Zach Cassian, who may or may not ever play in the NHL again, and Oscar Kleffblom. Uh, so they get lots and lots and lots to do this offseason. And they still have... Uh, what is their cap hit for next year already? <laughs> they have 56 million over almost 57 million tied up in 12 players mm-hmm. only 24 so Nine. 12 out of 12 out of 23 is the normal roster <laughs> you are paying james neal an exorbitant 5.75 million um well he's a lot of hair product as we learned a couple of years back oops. they have under 25 million assuming the cap doesn't go down to sign a roster like half a roster. They need to sign effectively 11 players for next year on 25 million. That's an average of 2 million a year. And guess what? So who's if this? you give Nugent Hopkins a raise, which he probably deserves. Wait, wait, wait. He's already somehow. making $6 million though. Yep. You can't give him a raise. You can't give him, you can't give him anything. Because you're, as it is, you're going to be spending, you're going to be paying the rest of the players an average of two million dollars a year. <laughs> they can't. No, but absolutely they can't. Right now, he's at 18 points, and in 19 games, nine and nine split even. Um, I don't make much of the stat, but for the for two years in a row, he's actually been a positive player. Um, and the that's question. go ahead. No, just a question to be answered at another time, unless you have a really short answer, is was Connor McDavid thinking of the team or himself when negotiating the contract that gave him $12.5 million per? Uh, it, it's irrelevant. Um, people made the criticism. <laughs> no, it really is irrelevant. People made that criticism of Alex Ovechkin years back. They still went ahead and won a cup. It took years. But he went from being one of the highest played pay, paid players in that time to about average for, for someone in his stratosphere. I mean, there are lots of guys who don't score anywhere near as much, don't hit as much, are not captains, are not one of the faces of the league who make more money than Alex Ovechkin. I'm just, I, I only asked because when he signed the deal and, and Chiarelli is the, in, in the 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 other party in this because eh, it wasn't Equation. Holland. Yes. Uh, his comments were that he had taken less than he could have in order to help the team, but I don't think he's helping the team because, and it's not his fault. I don't begrudge a player getting paid. They 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 have the talent. Somebody throws a contract at you, you're going to take it. I get that. But to come out and say that you're taking this one because you want to help the team and you could have taken more, I think that part of it should have been left behind. Don't don't bring that up to the to the audience. And because now, yes, this team is going to be hurting between him and Dreisaitl soaking up as much as they do salary cap-wise. They do produce, so a good thing. 
but it is going to hurt the franchise because it's going to hurt their ability to negotiate and keep good players like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who clearly um, has has learned how to play in the NHL. Well, he's not only learned how to play, but he's actually mostly been healthy the last two uh, two and a half three seasons. I mean, you go. It took. Let's see. He entered the league in the eleven twelve season. He played sixty two games and was out injured a lot. 12-13 season, 40 games out of, you know, 82. Mm-hmm. No, wait a minute. I'm sorry. That was the that was the shortened season, so 40 out of 48. But he still had not great numbers with 24 points in 40 games. Um, got all the way up to 80 in the 13-14 season. Down to 76 the next year. Down to 55 in 15-16. Um, he's, I mean, yes, he's played more with the top players on the team, which is always going to boost the numbers and begs the question of how much of his improvement is him and how much of his improvement is, uh, being less of a threat than the other guy. Um, but this is going to be a valuable player this year. He's not going to get as much money, uh, as he would have without the global health concern. Yeah. Um, but at, let's see, he's only 27. He's going to get paid and it won't be from Edmonton. It won't be from Edmonton. For me, if I'm him and his agent, I'm talking to teams about a three-year deal or mm-hmm. two-year deal and seeing where the cap goes after, at the end of those two years. Um, and then trying to get that next contract to be the big career setter. Are you uh, is he in a position to pick and choose where he wants to go? Like if come out and say something like, you know, I want to go to a contender. I want to everybody wants to go to a contender. But has he arrived at that point? Can he make those kind of claims? I mean, what other centers are going to be UFAs this year um, who can handle the puck as well as he can? Um, And are his age or within a year or two of his age, because yeah, David Krejci will be a UFA and is still one of the best distributors of the puck. Um, less of a goal scorer, but a, a better distributor than, uh, than the Nuge. Um, there's not many, there's really not many players who are going to have that mix of seasoned youth, offensive ability, and he's actually been largely healthy uh, the last couple of seasons, which is great. I didn't believe it was ever going to happen uh, when he first started playing because they played him at least a year too early. Katzlaff, Krejci, Stefan, Stastny, Zetterberg. Money-wise, Hopkins, uh, our Ryan Nugent is sixth on the list cap hit-wise. As far as UFAs this year? Yeah. As far and as a couple of those guys are not have not played in a while. Well, obviously Zetterberg, yeah, but Stastny. I think the thing to note here is in of these top ten cap hit centers, he's the only one under thirty. Yeah, and you that's don't a big hit deal. another one until you get to Nick Bukestad, who is not Ryan Nugent Hopkins. No, no, no. So, yeah, as far as is he the I mean, Sam Bennett's on the list. 
and he's relatively inexpensive. He's also an RFA, not a UFA. Sam uh, Bennett is not going to put up the points that uh, the Nuge has. Alexander I like Wenberg. Sam Bennett a bunch. Alexander Wenberg, uh, more of a distributor than a scorer. He's 26. He's an inexpensive UFA. Yeah, I don't. I don't see looking on this list of just centers. I don't see. The there's not much competition. Talent. There's not much direct competition for him. I'd have to put him near the top of the list. Yes, I mean, because the rest of them, they're either, uh, and I hate to say aging, but 30s plus. Stepan 31, Krejci 35, Getzlaff 36, uh, Travis Zajac 36. Yeah, he's the only one. And he's only 28. Yeah, he's he's clearly got a leg up. So he's going to collect. It's uh, I'd go with a short term deal. See where see where the salary cap lands, and then sign your your sign your, and go win, go play. Just, yeah. Um. I mean, for me, I and I want to have a longer conversation about him and some of the other free agents in about two or three weeks. Uh, as we get closer to the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair enough. I, I think that I think that Edmonton isn't going to want to, but I will not be surprised if he's traded before uh, before the deadline. Uh, they will probably try and pick up a defensive defenseman or um, or some prospects. Mm-hmm. That's my hunch. They might want some draft picks, too. What are you going to do with draft picks? Well, you could draft more forwards. <laughs> I think with Ken Holland there, he's going to rectify that situation. Ken Holland. Uh, I, I mean, mean, they have their first architect- draft pick this year, which is. Yes. And then they wait until the fourth. Hello. I don't think so. With all of the UFAs and RFAs that they have. Yeah, they're probably going to move out a couple of guys. I mean, I think they'll keep Tyson Berry, uh, Slater Cuckoo, uh, coin flip. Um, Slater Cuckoo is a, a good defensive defense. I, I like him. Uh, oh, I like him. But if they could get a second round pick for him, uh, thank you for your services. Yeah, if he can get a second round pick for Slater Cuckoo. Um, okay. He's been moved around a bit. This is not his first rodeo oh, either. This he's is been, like his fifth team since he was yeah, drafted. He's been with Chicago. I think he was with Tampa Bay at one point. Uh, yeah, he's been around a bit. Um, let's see. He was drafted by. He was drafted by Tampa Bay. Yeah, tenth overall. He went through Chicago and now uh, is in Edmonton. Yeah. Seemed like there was more than that. I thought there was somebody else, like a Philly or something. It felt like there was a couple of other places, but yeah. (laughs) Um, Anything else we have time to cover today? We covered so much material. I I do believe we have completed our requirements. So I believe so too. Um, So, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I tweeted earlier we will probably be online uh, game time tonight uh, at 7:30 or <clears throat> later when the game try when the game starts. Um, uh, so hit us up then. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for sharing the show. 
Um, make sure you tell your friends about us. We love to hear from people. So fire away a tweet or uh, about uh, what you think of the show. Chris? Uh, can hit me up at the off wing. I will most likely be on tonight. Uh, hopefully the game will stay at 730 and not move to midnight as it did last night. Uh, if it moves <laughs> to midnight, I will probably be watching it uh, on uh, on DVR. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, take care.